Hello, welcome back to the Bet on Yourself podcast. I am very excited about today's topic because this is something that's been coming up in pretty much every conversation with my consulting clients. And today we're going to be talking about building a purposeful culture. Now, this has been on everyone's minds because we're just now starting to talk about how are we going to go back to the office or create a new normal for our teams. We are missing seeing each other in person. Some of that's just now starting to come back. And my CEO clients are really trying to be thoughtful about the way in which they can create their culture, perhaps pivot it just a bit to adapt to it. Probably most of them are going into a hybrid model of returning to the office. And so it's been on my mind a lot. And as I was thinking about what advice to give them on creating purposeful cultures, I was reminded of this interview I, I listened to years ago, probably with Jason Kylar. Um, it was a recording of a talk that he gave at a scale up, the Scale Up Offsite hosted by Greylock. And I worked with Jason many years ago, almost two decades ago, um, when we were both at Amazon. But Jason Kyler's career is really interesting because he started at Disney, then went to Amazon for nine years, I think, and then became the founding CEO of Hulu. And so he's got a lot of experience on scaling companies. And he was chosen to talk about culture at that, um, at that conference because He's very, very thoughtful and he's a real champion of this space. And so he started off his remarks in talking about the definition of culture. And he first gave the Webster's Dictionary answer, which is defining culture as the pervasive values, beliefs, and attitudes that characterize a company and guide its practices. Now, he thought that that definition was really boring, but I think there's a lot to mine in there that maybe some of us forget are key core elements of creating culture. Now, some of you listening might not be the CEOs of organizations or even the manager of a particular team, but I want you to stay tuned because I think that there's a lot of self-empowerment that we can do in creating and crafting a culture around ourselves as individual contributors. So I really think that all of this uh, applies to everyone. So I love that culture is focusing on pervasive values. That means it's not just something that we say and then move on. It's, it permeates every layer of what we're doing, what we choose to work on and how we uh, accomplish our goals. The beliefs, uh, we've talked a lot on this podcast about being united around common passions and attitudes and having that characterize the company or our team and it guides our practices, how we get things done here. I think this absolutely also applies to teams within a company or maybe even your family unit or a community group that you founded or even within your friend group. Be more purposeful than you might realize in the type of culture that we surround ourselves with on a daily basis. So Jason Kyler shared um, what culture actually meant to him. And for him, culture is more about how we act when we think no one is watching. I really like that concept. He says it's kind of the decisions you make in the middle of the night during crunch down and how you're going to solve that problem. That is how the founders and the CEOs uh, shape the culture is how they act in those crunch moments. I absolutely think that's true. The best CEOs that I've worked with who create the most effective teams and then by product are able to scale are those who really elevate themselves in those times of crisis. So great culture is absolutely tied to scaling companies. For those of you in that situation, most of my clients are in this space. Um, And there's two key elements that we really need to see if we're going to scale a culture. Can it get beyond just the influence of a single person? First, we have to be explicit about it. We're going to write it down. We're going to discuss them frequently. 
And we're going to get into an example of that in just a second about how Amazon did that while I was working there. But the second part is also, and probably most important, is walking the talk. If you craft these perfect uh, cultural principles and then never behave accordingly, you've just wasted your, your time. So you really want to have behavior that embraces it. And my favorite part of Jason Kyler's um, talk was he said, we need to invest in mechanisms for enforcing the culture. I hadn't heard that expressed before. Mechanisms. We're, we're going to come back to that one because I think this is how we translate something that we believe in in principle into actions, how we're going to keep ourselves accountable and create some habits around this. And he said that some early advice that we were given in the early Amazon days that I had forgotten came from Michael Dell. Michael Dell had scaled up uh, Dell computers and had seen all the major trials that come with scaling a company. And his advice to Jeff was to prepare for the brick walls that you cannot see, but will hit. And so really it comes down to the mechanisms that you're going to put in place in advance that you're going to need to survive these unexpected impacts. I have hit many brick walls across my career, completely blindsided. Um, maybe it was a change in my company's strategy. I've been disrupted by three <laughs> global um, economic crises in two, well, the original dot-com bust of 2001. Uh, the economic crisis of 2008 and now the pandemic. Those were definitely brick walls, but I feel like I kind of got through them fairly easily. And I think it's because of these mechanisms that have been modeled for me early in my career. So going back to what does this look like in principle? So Amazon has 14 leadership principles that I can still quote from memory today. That is not a testament to how good my memory is. In fact, it's quite terrible for a detailed things like that. I'm terrible. At, I can't memorize something from a flashcard. Like that is not how I learn languages or anything really. It's from repetition. It's from using it in practice. And these Amazon leadership principles were part of our daily dialogue. These are up on their website if you want to ponder these or, or read through it again. But I love that, that as they've posted them on the website, one, they thought that was important enough to share with their users. But they also talk about how it's um, put into practice. So it says, we use our leadership principles every day, whether we're discussing ideas or for, for new projects or deciding on the best approach to solving a problem. It's just one of the things that makes Amazon peculiar. And I like that, that last sentence, that what makes Amazon peculiar. Uh, not only does that um, set them apart, but it absolutely is the secret sauce for how they get things done. So I think it's worth investing a few minutes in talking through what these leadership principles are. Not because this is any kind of hero worship. There's absolutely challenges to the culture at Amazon. And there's things I appreciated that were different about the culture at Google once I ended up there. But I think it'll be interesting to go through these so that you have something to react to. Some of these you might want to adopt for yourself. And some of them are like, no, actually, that's not how that's not the culture I want to create or how I want to get things done. So let's let's go through. First is customer obsession. I can tell you for a fact that if you only had to know one thing about how to get things done at Amazon, it is this. Leaders start with a customer and they work backwards. They work vigorously to earn and keep their trust. Although leaders pay attention to competitors, they obsess over customers. Let me tell you, that is why they are dominant right now. Um, Eric Schmidt similarly always says that you never do truly innovative when looking at a competitor um, because you're just reacting to what they're doing. The second uh, leadership principle is ownership. 
Leaders are owners. They think long-term and they don't sacrifice long-term value for short-term results. They act on behalf of the entire company beyond just their own team. They never say, that's not my job. This, I cannot tell you how many problems um, my consulting client CEOs have that could be really solved by more people in their company adopting this as a core principle of their culture, ownership. Think like owners. Um, I, I think this has come up in five or six conversations just this week. Definitely something that's a core part of the culture. Third is to invent and simplify. Leaders expect and require innovation and invention from their teams and always find ways to simplify. They are externally aware. They look for new ideas everywhere, but they are not limited to the not invented here. As we do new things, we accept that there may be misunderstandings for a long period of time. And that I think is really important because as we're adopting some new principles, if we're pivoting and being innovative, we're gonna disrupt ourselves and that throws us off our balance just a bit. But being um, focused on this culture and why we're doing that helps you navigate those periods of, of change that can otherwise be disorienting. Fourth is that leaders at Amazon are right a lot. I think it's funny. At first I was like, why is that a leadership principle? But uh, they explain it as leaders are right a lot. They have strong judgment and good instincts. They seek diverse perspectives and work to disconfirm their own beliefs. That is why this is a core part of Amazon. They're willing to disrupt themselves. They, they require that kind of feedback from their teams. They hire people who can offer them that perspective. Fifth is learn and be curious. Leaders are never done learning and they always seek to improve themselves. They are curious about new possibilities and act to explore them. Yes, we've talked about that a lot, a lot on the podcast already. Sixth is hire and develop the best. In my opinion, this is the number one differentiator between um, good ideas and good companies. Leaders raise the performance bar with every hire and promotion. They recognize exceptional talent and willingly move them through the organization. Leaders develop leaders and take seriously their role in coaching others. We work on behalf of our people to invent mechanisms for development like career choice. Seventh principle is insist on the highest standards. This goes along with hiring well. Leaders have relentlessly high standards. Many people may think these standards are unreasonably high. Leaders are continually raising the bar and driving their teams to deliver high quality products, services, and processes. Leaders ensure that defects do not get sent down the line and that problems are fixed so that they stay fixed. Eight is thinking big. Thinking small is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Leaders create and communicate a bold direction that inspires results. They think differently and they look around the corners for ways to serve customers. Ninth is a bias for action. Speed matters in business. Many decisions and actions are reversible and do not need extensive study. We value calculated risk-taking. So just don't overanalyze it. I am guilty of this a lot. I, I research it and it's never finished. Right? There's no finish line to, to the homework. Um, but having a bias for action of just taking a calculated risk and making that jump before you know for a fact it's going to be perfect, definitely a key to growing and a key part of the culture. Tenth is frugality. Let me tell you, almost to a fault is this a principle at Amazon. This is one that I think has taken a little too far. But uh, it is how he survived the original dot-com bust. They say that uh, frugality is important because we accomplish more with less. Constraints breed resourcefulness, self-sufficiency, and invention. There are no extra points for growing headcount, budget size, or fixed expenses. And that I completely agree with. 
Eleventh is earning trust. Leaders listen attentively, speak candidly, and treat others respectfully. They are vocally self-critical, even when doing so is awkward or embarrassing. I think that's very important. Leaders do not be uh, believe their or their team's body odor smells of perfume. <laughs> they benchmark themselves and their teams against the best. And I even think the wording of these, of these leadership principles shows the personality and the culture of Amazon, don't you? Twelfth uh, is deep dive. Leaders operate at all levels. They stay connected to the details. They audit frequently and are skeptical when metrics and anecdotes differ. No task is beneath them. Thirteenth is having a backbone, disagree and commit. Leaders are obligated to respectfully challenge decisions when they disagree, even when doing so is uncomfortable or exhausting. Let me tell you, I've experienced both. Leaders have, a convi have conviction and are tenacious. They do not compromise for the sake of social cohesion. And once a decision is determined, they commit wholly. And last but not least is delivering results. Obviously, key part of the culture. Leaders focus on the key inputs of their business and deliver them with the right quality and in a timely fashion. Despite setbacks, they rise to the occasion and never settle. So I hope that you've reacted to some of those. It might have inspired an idea or something that you want to double down on and really encourage to be the environment in which you find yourself every day. Uh, similar to these Amazon principles, there was a uh, Google did a study of our best, most effective managers. It was a 10-year study uh, starting in 2008 called Project Oxygen. And they identified 10 core behaviors that were common among these high-performing um, managers and how they create, empower their teams. One is they're a good coach. Two, similarly related, they empower their team. They do not micromanage. Third, they create an inclusive team environment. They show concern for their success and well-being. Fourth, these managers are productive and results-oriented. They that leads to number five, which is a good communicator. They listen and share information. This was definitely core at Google. There was no siloed information. Everyone was allowed access to everything. Six is support career development and discuss performance. That was a key focus for me when I became a manager at Google, was um, empowering my team to reach their biggest dreams. Seventh is they have a clear vision and strategy for the team. That one's easier said than done huh? <laughs> in the daily uh, pivots that we all have to make. Eight is they have key technical skills to help advise the team. Ninth, they collaborate cross-functionally. And 10th, they're a strong decision maker. Have you ever worked for someone who waffles and you're, you've done all the research and you've given them all the facts and they still can't make a decision? That's a tough one. Um, so there's a great book called The Culture Code by Daniel Coyle. And he studied some of the most successful organizations in the world to figure out what were the key elements of their culture that produce these exceptional results. And he went into organizations like the U.S. Navy SEAL Team 6, uh, San Antonio Spurs, and he just wanted to see what makes them tick. And he found three key elements. The first was building safety. Second is shared vulnerability. And third is establishing purpose. So in building safety, you get the most honest responses and best effort from people when they feel safe and connected to the team. As a leader, you can create a safe environment by listening and thanking people, helping people to interact, getting rid of bad apples, very important and also really hard to do, and by giving people a voice. Psychological safety is really essential here in, in creating that right culture, a 
around safety. Second, shared vulnerability. Vulnerability starts with a leader admitting their own flaws, and that makes it easier for everyone around them to do so. They see that it's not a death sentence. You're not going to be demoted because if your leader is doing it too, you feel included. And uh, we learn the most when we fail. And if we want teams that are challenging themselves, we're going to have those moments. These leaders um, ask for help and collaboration. Isn't it empowering? Have you ever had a leader say, I need your help on something? It creates this kind of, we can do this together type of results. It makes you feel that sense of ownership that we talked about earlier in the results of not only your own work, but of the team as a whole. And that's so much more satisfying. And there are ways that leaders can practice vulnerability. They can go first. For example, volunteering to do the late night. <laughs> if a project uh, really needs to hit a deadline, they're there in that war room. They can just clear, clean off a conference room table, remove all of the coffee cups back when, when we were in rooms together. Doing these unglamorous tasks really um, show actual vulnerability. Second is communicating expectations, having some of those uh, clarifying conversations early and often. Delivering negative feedback in person, listening really well, aiming for candor, um, embracing discomfort, all of these are ways in which we can create this psychological safety that we need. And third is establishing purpose. Purpose-driven questions are like, what is this all about and why are we doing what we're doing? I have to tell you, this is key. Don't skip this. You really want to show the math. If you're leading a team or just a project, really help people understand the purpose of the higher calling behind this work. It's not just about the what or the how, but really share with everyone who is collaborating the why you're doing it. You need to establish purpose by developing and enforcing priorities, especially in these group relationships and dynamics, <laughs> and support some proficiency and creatively sep um, separate but equally develop memorable cultural slogans, measure what matters the most, Develop symbols or artifacts of your culture, like little awards or, you know, um, inside jokes or just the, the environment you surround yourself in and set the behavior bar high. Have specific defined actions of what it means to be a member of this team or this project or um, this company. So the last section here, I just really want to emphasize how can we do this as individuals and not just leaders? I think the truth is in the exact same way. First, establish your purpose for yourself, for your project, for your team, maybe within your own family or in a social group that you're in with your friends to really talk about what matters to you and why you're getting together and why you value this time together and encourage this type of discussion often. Second is really remaining vulnerable. This is really hard, especially when we're in these pandemic and everything already feels shaken up. We already feel really vulnerable because everything's upside down. This is an opportunity to create a safe space and something that feels recharging instead of diminishing. We can share our dreams, our deepest desires, some frustrations or goals you've set for yourself and, and create this community of people around you who have these uh, shared milestones that you're all working towards or who can at least keep you accountable for your goals if they differ from, from theirs. And third is building in safety. This is where we just need to put in some quality time. We need to build relationships of trust just by showing up and enable this openness in others around us. You can really do so much to purposely create the culture around you every day by just being open and having these conversations or even 
just saying that this is on your mind today. Um, and I'd love to hear kind of what comes out the other side of those conversations. I've been doing this with some close personal friends and my husband recently, and it's really led to some fascinating conversations. In fact, one was eight hours long. Um, it was really, really, I felt so much better. So, so energized after that chat because it was really authentic. We weren't just chit-chatting. We were talking about what matters to us, what we're experiencing, what we're feeling. So I challenge you, create an action list of mechanisms for how you're going to reinforce these values in this culture that you want around you every day. So these mechanisms are about how will you keep yourself accountable? What are the habits you're going to form or break? And how are you, you going to keep track of that? Maybe this is posting on your blog or on your social media or a weekly phone call with friends. Maybe you're setting up in advance a performance conversation with your manager, even when you're off cycle from a formal evaluation, but keep yourself accountable, build in some milestones. Another mechanism might be what tribe are you going to assemble around you? Maybe you've realized that the people around you don't represent the culture that you want. Maybe it's a toxic environment. You have a bad teammate or or your goals have become really muddied so people are frustrated or competitive, in what form do you want to convene? How are you going to gather the right people around you? Maybe you can't change who's on your team or on your project, but we can maybe change the way we convene or set some expectations of how we're going to interact with each other. Third, and this has come up a lot with my clients, is definitely set some ways how you're going to celebrate your milestones. I've got a lot of really big projects going on right now, and I, like even last night, had major moments of overwhelm. And so one of the few things that helped me kind of calm myself down and be able to refocus and be productive again was thinking about these milestones that I was looking forward to. It helped me recenter on why my task list was important, reconnected me to the purpose and the vision behind them. And I was really looking forward to celebrating those milestones of these really big goals. So create some mechanisms that will help you focus. It's going to keep you accountable. It's going to allow you to enable everyone around you to do the same. And I hope that you will be thoughtful about the culture that you create around you, whether it's at a company level, a team level, a project level, or with your friends. This could really make a big difference in our lives and bring in some of that happiness and sense of control, again, that we really crave. So build in some cultural milestones, create some mechanisms for keeping you on track, and go out there and make a big bet on yourself. I'd really love to hear what are the results of these conversations or some of your projects. So please share them here or on social media. I really look forward to following your journey. Until next week, go make a big bet on yourself.